0: On today's special recruiting episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast presented by LinkedIn, we are joined by National Recruiting Analyst of Locked On Podcast Network, Brian Smith. Brian, what's going on, man?
1: Always recruiting, brother. Getting ready for the Under Armour Orlando event, and then Under Armour Atlanta, and then Under Armour Miami, and then Elite 11, and so on and so forth.
0: I hear that. Never ends the grind, never stops. We're going to talk, um, beginning with the current roster. There's a player from South Florida that uh Brian has covered over the past couple years. That is highly regarded recruit TJ Capers, who reclassified ahead of the 2023 season, ended up uh redshirting, and many have asked about him this year. So, we're going to talk a little bit to Brian about. Um, what you can sort of expect in terms of his playing style. We'll talk about some of his favorite 2024 signees from the Flyville 24 um, class. And also earlier this week, actually later last week, um, Teddy Bridgewater, former Louisville Cardinal great going back to his alma mater to be the head coach. Now Louisville already makes it a point of emphasis to recruit the South Florida area as well. What does this mean for the program? If anything, we'll get Brian's take on it. So, Brian, do want to um, begin with T.J. Capers. A uh, little bit of backstory uh, for you in terms of how global fans are, are are discussing him. He's a player that many were hoping would have played as a freshman in 2023, uh, but due to injury, due to a crowded depth chart, and just reclassifying, I feel like that was going to be pretty uh, premature, and it turned out to be. But now he's in his redshirt freshman season. The depth chart isn't really... All that clear in terms of available playing time, I guess, for starters, is what type of a player does TJ Capers really project to be? Is he more of an outside linebacker standing up? Is he projecting toward the inside? In your eyes, what kind of a player is TJ?
1: Edge. I think he's best suited for Edge. He was 230 in spring of his sophomore year, like when I stopped by Columbus High School, which is one of the best programs in Florida, down on the west side of Miami. And he is a kid that everybody knew was going to go to a high-level program. That was the first kid as an underclassman, one of the assistants before practice. They have like 6 a.m. practices to avoid the heat. I'm there like 5.45. He's like, Capers is a kid you need to know. And he looks the part. He runs like a, a kid that can do all kinds of things. Now it's just reshaping his body and figuring out exactly how they want to do it. If Louisville is going to run like 3.35 and do different things, move the guys, move, move parts around – he could play a lot of things. He could beat your stand up at a two point, come off the edge. He could drop. He can do that. Columbus coaching is different. That That is not like a high school. I mean, they got like college level coaching and they beat teams with scheme as much as they do talent. So he's been coached. He's going to be a little bit different in that regard. And then finally, he has the frame that he could eventually maybe be 260, 270 and be just a pure strong side end or something like that if you wanted him to be. But at least for now he can play both the stand-up edge, maybe a little weak side and four three, three, four, doesn't matter. But when he puts his foot in the ground and TJ wants to go, that's a kid that Ford is famous for. Florida, right. Miami, Florida State have always recruited these kind of kids and annihilated everybody with them. Now he's right. got one of them.
0: I thought it was pretty interesting. And I I mean, I, I remember discussing this on the show with you that. Cardinal fans feel like rankings and recruiting are are at least biased uh, against Louisville. Not obviously the only program that feels that way. Whether you find truth in that or not, I I truly don't care. Uh, But I did find it interesting that when he committed to Louisville, talk about a guy who was ranked inside of the top 15 according to a couple of recruiting services. He ended on 24-7 sports as the 155th best player. So pretty significant drop. What do you sort of contribute that to?
1: Injuries. uh, He wasn't in the greatest shape towards the end of that. He'd been banged up, and he didn't play his senior year and all that. Like He reclassed. A lot of those things together, we didn't get to see him for a long time. So – It was weird. Like his commitment was out of the blue. Nobody knew why he committed all that. His whole recruitment was odd towards the end. And then being injured never helps. So he wasn't at the camps and combines that some of the other kids were. Plus he didn't play his true senior year. When you reclass, you're going to go down because you're going up a group Yeah, where you're older. There's no way around that. And then he didn't play, you know, I mean, I would have loved to have seen him in a, in his uniform this past year. He might have. I don't even know what T.J. weighs now. I haven't seen him forever. He's so. still
0: listed at around 230. Now, mm-hmm. uh, the official guide hasn't come out. But as a follow-up, if he would have stayed in 2024, assuming, you know, obviously he was hurt, assuming he doesn't play his senior year but stays in high school, how far do you, obviously projectable, how far do you think he would have dropped in?
1: Not as far, like if he'd have stayed in his, his traditional class and all that, I mean, that's different. But, again, not playing. Your People yeah, want to well. know that number one thing, and I have college coaches that have told me this unsolicited for years, availability is your best measurable. You know, there's no way around it. Nobody wants to hear it. The number one reason. Teams show, released, it's just, Why do you think the NFL, although they, they don't deal with Vegas, okay, whatever, make it mandatory that you give a full injury report? Right. It's, you know, we don't know what TJ's situation completely is. I can't remember that one of the coaches at Columbus had told me what was wrong. I forget, but he's not played. So now I'm curious to talk to you later this spring. Okay. What did he do in spring? Did he participate or was he on the bike? Right. You know, was he putting pads on or was he just going through some drills and not non-contact he needs to physically be engaged Mm -hmm. because I'm telling you, he's got the physical tools to be a Sunday player one day. But you got to, you you can only go so long without playing, and then you're going to restart. So he, he needs to hit. He needs to be a guy that's figured out what spot exactly. And again, I don't know what Louisville is going to try to use him as. My guess is they'll move him around. He's a smart kid. He'll figure that out. Can't teach Edge, though, man. Right. You now yeah. 6'2, 230, 240. They can run. You can't have enough of them. So I'm sure Louisville's. Just as curious, if not more, than I am, to see what he can do.
0: That's true. And Ron English usually runs uh, a base four two five defense a package. Um, so a lot of people sort of projected him to be the Leo, so to speak, which is the you right. know, the stand-up outside linebacker in their defense. For you. Is is there a a player or or former player that you've scouted or or you remember from college or NFL that you think you could compare the skill set to to sort of give the audience a little bit of an idea of maybe the maybe the type of skill set we're getting in a guy like Capers?
1: This would go back a ways, but one of my favorite players growing up, another Florida Floridian, although North Florida. Is a kid that actually didn't play that far away in the NFL from where you are. And that's Renard Wilson that played at Florida State in the mid 90s. He's from Lake City, Columbia. He was 6'2, 215 coming out of high school, left FSU at 255. He played edge and just killed people. And he was like the 14th pick in the draft, but he could drop and do different things. 6'2, 6'3 guys with big legs, but they can break down their knee benders and they can change direction and chase down 175 pound scat back. Right. Cannot, that's God given. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much coaching you have or not. Either you can stop and change direction at that weight or you cannot. Those kinds of athletes. And there's a million others, you know, that is just infamous for the number, you know, the freak, Javon Curtis, about as freaky as it gets. Guys like that that stop and start. TJ right. has some of that, but he's a little more powerful than some of them at this stage, a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. The only thing they really need to know is that he's not going to be physically overmatched at the Power Five level, even though he's young. He will be a kid that'll contribute in some way this year, barring injury. Right, Ron is. It's up. Ron makes a lot of money. It's up to him to figure out where do I put this kid to get him to make make this happen for him.
0: Yeah, and I'm very intrigued to see, like you, what um, sort of the role is assigned to him and right. the 2024 class when he committed. I mean, it seemed like it was going to compete with the 2023 class. Obviously, maybe not the uh, connection to St. John Bosco, but. You know, going down into Florida, maybe having some of the uh, more highly touted recruits. But overall, it was a smaller class, Um, not a ton of overall star power, but still some players that um, a couple analysts analysts view as hidden gems. We're going to talk about um, that class, specifically some of Brian's favorite prospects in the Flyville 24 class here momentarily after we talk about our friends over at game time. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. Um, For me, the main appalls to game time, you have the last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, views from your seat, and more. I talk about going to the Colts Raiders game just about a month ago. Got tickets 30 minutes before the game. Got the views for my seats. No hidden fees with game time, and it was such a a valuable experience. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time right now. All Game Time customers get $100 off a big game ticket with the code Vegas100. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Also giving a shout out to the title sponsor of this Locked On Recruiting episode of the show, LinkedIn. Um, be sure to check out LinkedIn Jobs for all your job filling needs. But Heading into the second segment of the show with national recruiting analyst of Locked On Sports, Brian Smith. Brian, a couple of Flyville 24 commits are from your stomping grounds. I say stomping grounds loosely because Florida is quite a large state, but one was pretty close to you in proximity, and that was Xavier Porter. Right.
1: Xavier lives in Tampa. I lived literally about two minutes from his high school, so when I showed up to practice, I was just like one of the coaches on the field. They just kind of let me wander around. I've known him since he was going in like his sophomore year. He's a big kid that's athletic, 6'2", 260, 270, something like that. And he could play a different role than some of the other guys, his body type. He could move pretty well laterally, but for his size, he could two-gap. pretty good. He's really strong. And he's a kid I think that's going to have an opportunity to end up playing inside for Louis But in certain situations, like if they're at a short yardage, they might put him at a strong side end. He's a really good football player, and he's a little bit underrated. To be honest, he just wasn't the tallest guy. He's about 6'2". If he'd have been 6'4", he'd have had 45 offers. It's it's just measurable. Georgia, in some of these schools, they want a very specific body type. Xavier isn't quite that tall, but like NC State and some other schools really wanted him. And obviously, NC State knows football that's why you got to be excited about kids like this. And he's he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I know Xavier well. I'm telling you, he's going to come in and he may redshirt because linemen typically do, but I think he'll play some. You're not going to get a ton of kids like this at his size that have his motor and have his natural strength. I think he's probably best suited to play three tech if they're going to run a four, two, five, but he can play one tech as well. And in a year or so, he'll definitely be able to, like, you're in the weight room. In college, yeah. huge for D lineman. Mm-hmm. Second year, I think he can play a lot more one tech, but not many guys are going to be naturally as strong as him. And he, he even likes playing one tech. That is rare. Most guys hate it because you get double teams all the time. Porter's a little bit different of a cat.
0: Another player that um, you you know decently well is Jimmy Williams, offensive L- lineman L- from um, the Heritage. Yeah, yeah I, I, there's so many with their four um, players from the state of Florida. Talk about what Jimmy could bring to the program.
1: He's a kid who could play guard or tackle. American Heritage is one of the top programs in the United States. It's from the Fort Lauderdale area. Elite, elite, elite program. And he's their best lineman coming out this year. He was the mainstay up front for them. I think he'll end up playing right tackle in college, but he could be left tackle. We'll see. He's 280, 290. Can move laterally pretty well. And can pass that. Most importantly for him, though, he's from Broward County. Broward is elite talent. Mm-hmm. There are schools there that go below 500 that have multiple power five kids. Right. It's that talented. So every week you're going up against dudes and you see it every day in practice. Like they had a half dozen or so sophomores with multiple power five offers. It's just, you know, that's just what you're used to. There's a standard there. I think that you're going to see him compete for playing time after a red shirt year. Again, lineman we'll see, but he's a kid that you got to be happy about getting. You can't, get enough offensive linemen that are athletic, that can pass protect, especially in today's world with Braum running a very pro-style offense. You need linemen, man. That's going to be the difference. not going to be the skill guys. Braum will figure that out. It's going to be the linemen up front to keep the quarterback upright to get the ball to the skill players. Jimmy's a very important recruit for the Cardinals.
0: You mentioned to me pre-podcast um, one player in specific that is the caliber of recruit that could ultimately contribute into taking your program to the next level running back, Isaac Brown, who, um, you know, Cardinal fans are really excited about um, one of the quickest players in the recruiting class, but not only that, but I think he actually tested last weekend was like one of, if not the fastest guy on the team. Um, How did, why didn't he stay in the state? How did the in state teams let him go? Was he? I, I know that you know he's ranked 300 ish, but still, it seems like a player that almost is too good to leave the Sunshine State.
1: Well, I mean, part of that's recruiting. Uh, South Florida kids do their own thing, man. Right. I always tell people that are not from down here or haven't lived here, South Florida is its own continent. Uh, it's not really even a part of Florida, it's its own deal. Um, he lived in Homestead, which is actually south of Miami. Any further south, you're in the water. So he's he's out in the sticks, and he's a kid at a program that's always got a couple of guys, and they always have track kids. I don't know what it is about Homestead, but they always do, and he is shot out of a cannon. Slot, running back, wildcat, punt returner, kick returner, putting him at receiver, does not matter. You and I were talking about this earlier. Brom obviously very good with X's and O's. That's not really debatable at this point, whether you like or do not like Louisville. This is the kind of guy that he can just have fun with all day. Because it doesn't matter what your package is. Like, if you're in you're in 10 package, one running back, and, and just no tight ends, you're just going all, all out. You can still just run a sprint draw to him. With the field spread, if that inside linebacker doesn't fill the gap correctly and make a play, he'll split the safeties and score. The most generic play in football. No coaching involved. He has that kind of speed. Right. You know what? I've never seen a coach disappointed with that. And somebody like Brom that knows how to use the screen game, the play action and the waggles and the, and the jet fakes, all that, he will make other players around him better. Because mm-hmm. when he runs jet motion, the fullback who runs – is dragging the field, running a 5 two forty, he's still wide open in the flat. It's 10 yards. Right. You know, that's that's how you make your offenses work. Louisville, they had a couple games this year with guys that had like two catches all year, would either catch a touchdown or a key third down because Brom can scheme it up. Now add even more talent around those guys. It's going to be a lot easier. I'm curious yeah. to see how much they put him in the slot because he's really twitchy. This is an electric football player that Brom's going to have blast with.
0: And I mentioned him as actually the top freshman that could throw a wrench in the depth chart. Absolutely. Uh, before the season, a player that I think it's going to take maybe some time for him to see the field, but I'm, Intrigued by the skill set because the ranking doesn't really match up to maybe the production. That is um, linebacker Trent Carter, who's also from from the state up in Jacksonville.
1: He plays at Bowles, which is a boarding school, and they are one of the most annoying teams in the country to play because a) they're so well coached, and b) they do not care who you are. They're going to do it their way. They'll run single wing. They'll do all kinds of different things that are annoying but their guys are always physical and downhill linebackers are always good. They got a kid at NC state, et cetera. All of them are good. When he comes in, if he does not play right away on special teams, I will be floored. This is a kid that will be mentally dialed in. You don't go to bowls and be a normal kid. Like that's an elite academic deal too. He's going to be a kid not worried about him going to class. Okay. You're not gonna worry about him studying the playbook and he'll be a tackling machine. That program is tremendous and has been forever. I would be surprised if he's not starting for Louisville before his end of his sophomore year because he'll pick up everything. Yeah, That's that's what Bulls kids always do.
0: It's pretty interesting. Into sophomore <laughs> year, I mean, Louisville is very veteran-led at the position right now. TJ Quinn and Jalen Alderman, I uh, believe, have one more year left. And then it, at this point, it's probably Stan Quan Clark's job next year anyway with how well he played as a freshman. But the last 2024 signing I want to talk about is a player that you also discussed uh, pre-podcast, that's probably the highest-rated commit in the class. Wide receiver JoJo Stone.
1: <clears throat> I've known him since he was a freshman in high school. He was what C1N—that is Cam Newton's seven-on-seven group, where like he flies kids in just for practice out of state for 15U. Like it's it's all in money-wise. Cam's a little different guy, obviously, and he's always been a dude. He's always been ahead physically. When he was a sophomore, he looked like he was 20 years old because he put in seven days a week, never took days off weight room, training, and everything. And he's been recruited by everybody. He was committed to LSU at one point, but he had offers from just about the entire SEC, et cetera, before his senior year. He's going to play early. Right Now the question is, how do they line up and where do they put him? I think he could play all three, a boundary, slot, or outside. Really kind of depends on the following question to you, Dalton. Where does Louisville need the most help? Is it boundary? Is it slot? Or is it to the field, to the flanker spot?
0: That's the big question. This year it's going to be interesting because Colin Lacey, the transfer they got from from South Alabama, is probably projecting to be wide receiver one for the Cardinals. And one really (laughs) trademark of a Braum offense is he takes a slot receiver, throws him in a couple of different packages like he did with Rondell Moore, and lets all hell break loose. So uh, they also got Ja'Cory Brooks from Alabama, who there's some hype around there. And really outside of those two and maybe Chris Bell, who's a 6'2 boundary receiver – it's up in the air at at this point, you know, the, the two deep, there's a couple of former transfers that are in the mix, but at this point it's kind of um, up to interpretation at that point.
1: Well, I can tell you that stone won't be outworked smart kid. And he just loves football. He's a kid that's nerdy football. If you, if you know what I mean, like he will study the playbook and everything else he just wants to consume. So he'll play earlier than most kids just on that. And then again, like when he walks up and he shakes your hand, like, He's put together. You can tell he spent time in the weight room. He's not a normal prep football player going up another level. It looks like he's been in college for a few years. Is
0: there any issue? I know that he's had sort of, um, you know, seasons get plagued by the injury bug. Is that going to be sort of a lingering issue? Because I know some of those things can kind of uh, waver in the future. Are you worried at all about the, you know, you said availability is the best ability.
1: 100%.
0: What are your thoughts on that regard?
1: Well, I think if anything, he needs to cut back. Like right. sometimes he would go out at seven days a week. Yeah. Sometimes you, your body just needs to sit there and watch Game of Thrones or whatever it is you're doing your off time. Like he, he literally didn't take days off. It was just, yeah. he was always had videos up. I'm like, dude, you know, it's, it's Sunday afternoon. Let's, let's chill for a minute. But he, right. he was that guy. So, Willieville has a professional staff that makes a lot of money. Right. He'll figure that stuff out. But he also is the kind of guy that will lay out for a ball, et cetera. He's got to learn when to go for it, when not. know, yeah, it's just part of maturity. But he's he's going to work himself into a position at some point at able to be a key player.
0: Definitely love to hear that. Transitioning a little bit over into the 2025 and beyond, uh, 2025 class and beyond, I should say. Um, portal recruiting has sort of wrapped up for the time being until spring starts didn't take long for Brahm and company to hit the road and continue high school recruiting. They were down in South Florida um, last week visiting a couple of key prospects. Seems like all signs are pointing to the Brahms wanting to, yet again, try to extend that pipeline into the Miami area, et cetera. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Teddy Bridgewater um, going back to his alma mater post-NFL retirement and more here momentarily after we talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl week to all who celebrate from America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, if you're like me, it's all about uh, a good game. Um, At this point, go Niners. I'm not really a big Super Bowl square person like I used to be. I think it's a very closed-minded way of betting. FanDuel has really sort of alleviated those concerns and has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has who will score a touchdown how many points will be scored and more right now join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins just visit vandal.com slash locked on to sign up make every moment more with FanDuel an official sportsbook partner of the NFL well Brian it's already the third segment Brian Smith joining us um locked on podcast network national recruiting analyst um who covers not only the whole United States but that pocket down in Florida we call the sunshine state Um, now covering Auburn as well. So Auburn, Miami, man, guys all over the place. No days off. Brian, I found it very interesting. Teddy Bridgewater goes back home. You mentioned pre uh, pre podcast that he was a guy that never really turned his back on his hometown. You know, was always down there. Now um, NFL career is over. And he wastes no time. Head coach, Miami Northwestern, where he came from, uh, replacing Michael <coughs> Lee Harris, I believe, uh, another former Louisville guy that he came to the Derby City with. Does this move, does it affect anything at all in terms of how Louisville recruits down south, down in Florida? Because I feel like it can't hurt, but I'm not necessarily sure how much it helps.
1: Well, the number one thing isn't getting players from Northwestern. It's having somebody that knows the street in Miami and can say, like, when Willie Bill calls, okay, where where do we need to go? Mm-hmm. Like, what underclassmen do we need to get on? Because it's you're not recruiting seniors anymore. If you're starting to recruit a senior, it's too late, way too late. You can find out what kids are in eighth to tenth grade that you need to figure out. And you can also find out if you're recruiting a kid and you need to stop. Uh, you know, something's wrong with you. I'll just leave it at that. In Miami, things go sideways sometimes. you got to find out who you should waste your time with and who you should. That's a kid that everybody, everybody likes Teddy. Everybody knows who Teddy is. That's going to be great for Louisville. Second part of that is it's not going to hurt for him to be a Northwestern. I mean, it's it's had tremendous talent forever. They've got a couple of kids on their roster right now. They're elite players. Everybody's going to recruit there anyway. It used to be one of Nick Saban's first stops. What does that tell you? So I think it's going to help Louisville at some point in Northwestern, but more importantly, he'll know what's going on in Broward and Dade in general that will be able to help the Louisville staff. Maybe we've
0: talked about this before, but, but I sort of want to get a, a refresher on your opinion, especially for you know, states, players who end up staying in-state. You mentioned that South Florida is like a continent of its own, but yep. it still seems like a lot of the top players in that area at least tend to stay in the south. And Louisville is a spot that, you know, since I've been alive 25 years, they have at least tried to make an effort to prioritize that area, and some key players have come from that spot. How much does previous successes of guys like Teddy, like Lamar Jackson, like Tutu Atwell, how – key of a factor does that play for Louisville trying to go down into South Florida and, and poach some big time players?
1: Well, I didn't really know until the last couple of years, but especially with a certain young man that is now in Baltimore, it's a recent guy that was like elite elite. And then Bridgewater has been a guy that was a big time player in the NFL. When you have quarterbacks, that really helps because mm-hmm. you know, everybody talks about quarterbacks, whether you want to hear it or not. Cause it's the most important position on the grid art that helps a lot. And then the other part is they've had guys that are exciting, like two, two, Holy cow. Was he shot out of it? If you're not going to have a quarterback, have the guy that makes everybody miss scores. So they've gotten kids that were really good. They weren't just signees they produced. And some of them got paid. Those kids know it. Mm-hmm. Bridgewater being at Northwestern. Again, that's important. Having a guy that's, you know, a possible league MVP candidate during any given year playing for the Ravens, yeah, that kind of matters. Yeah, that Louisville has a presence here now. Everybody knows that they offer most of the elite kids really early. That's the other thing. Their staff has done a good job since Brom's gotten there to continue that trend. It happened before Jeff and, and his staff got there. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's continued, and that matters. They they hit all the big schools, Northwestern, Columbus, Dillard, etc. They're a mainstay. They're going to get kids just on that alone. And then, by the way, we had Bridgewater, et cetera. It's not going to hurt.
0: Last question I have for you, Brian, on on this special recruiting episode of the show uh, brought to you by LinkedIn. I'm not – I mean, I know the state of Florida. I mean, I have family down in Florida. I at least have an idea of where stuff is at geographically. But in terms of the talent, um, you know, Deviation amongst the state. Obviously, South Florida is a hotbed. What are some other areas throughout the state that you know you could point to that saying, "Hey, look, if, if Louisville's looking to go get difference makers, this is a part of the state that they should focus on." Outside of that pocket of Hollywood, Miami, Homestead, um, etc.,
1: starts in Tampa. It starts in. Ta- and they know that mm-hmm. Tampa is loaded every year. There are kids corner like i used to joke to people that talked to me about like coach took talk to me or whatever and i'd say from my house in tampa i can throw a rock in any direction and hit a division 1 corner because mm-hmm. yeah, every school had somebody that was a track kid that was playing corner like i'm not trying to be like schools that would go 3 and 6 had a power 5 kid in db right it's just it's just different orlando's really good too and jacksonville's got its pockets there's 3 or 4 really good schools there mandarin He's got arguably the best receiver in the country, and Jamie French, Louisville, and everybody's offered him. Yeah, but the, the key with Florida, if you're really recruited, is you got to find all the little hidden gems, and you got to. And this is where the schools don't like to hear it. You got to spend extra time driving to schools out in the middle of nowhere, Uh just north of Orlando, between there and Gainesville. There's a handful of programs that are really good, and there's kids that are going to like. UCF and kids that are going to NC State, et cetera, schools that are down, Mm we'll go recruit some of those kids or like the Coco kids on the coast. There's all kinds of areas. It's not just one pocket. It's insane. So you're going to find it wherever you go. I would start with Tampa, though, if I wasn't in the Miami-Fort Lauderdale area. It's it's loaded.
0: Right. Well, Brom, if you're listening to this in the small uh, instance that you are, anybody else on the coaching staff, make sure you – do those drives to the middle of nowhere and and put in that work. But uh, always a treat having Brian Smith on. Be sure to follow his Twitter um, or underneath in the graphic below. If you're listening to this, it's at scout underscore Florida on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Also does work for all Canes, Auburn Daily, et cetera. So be sure to show him some love on social media. But that's going to wrap up this uh, LinkedIn sponsored recruiting episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.